Hey, welcome to another episode of More Than Bread. We're nearing the end of this chapter on my top 40 psalms. In fact, our psalm for today, Psalm 139, I believe is actually the 40th psalm that I will have covered. But but we did add a handful of psalms throughout the journey, some by you and some by me. So I think we have four or five more psalms to go, uh, starting with Psalm 139 and ending with the last one, Psalm 150. And then I think we'll do a wrap-up or so as well. And I'd love for you to help me with the wrap-up by sending me a sentence or two or even a, a paragraph or two answering this question, what's your takeaway? What's your takeaway from this two-month-plus look at the Psalms? Do you have a new perspective on God or on God's Word or on prayer? Maybe there was a promise or a picture of God that was that has given you hope or or theme that just kind of keeps popping out, coming back to you. What, what's your takeaway from this two-month-plus look at the Psalms. And you can send that takeaway to me at dan at calvarysc.org, C-A-L-V-A-R-Y-S-C.org. Or if you get my D news, you can you can respond to that. Um, I'd love to hear from you. And, and, if, and if the podcast has been of value to you, can I just encourage you to pass it on, tell someone, uh, do a review wherever you get your podcasts, invite somebody to listen. And, and remember the Psalms, was just the most recent chapter. We also went through two Gospels, Mark and John, and a 40-plus episode read through the whole New Testament. Okay, we're diving into Psalm 139 in this 151st episode of More Than Bread, and we'll probably take uh, two episodes to cover because it's one of the top of my top, and there's so much good stuff in it. So listen as I read Psalm 139 from the New International Version. You've searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts. God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I'm awake, I'm still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I've nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. Search me. O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, artistic people fascinate me. 
when, when I look at a blank canvas, all I see is a blank canvas. When a pa- painter looks at a, a blank canvas, she sees a picture waiting to be born. I mean, how does a sculptor look at a piece of marble and see a statue? How does an architect look at an empty space and see a building or a park? I grew up in South Dakota, and South Dakota artists use mountains as canvas. I remember going to Mount Rushmore during high school, and the, the sight of those four massive faces set in stone was, was awe-inspiring. It took Gutzon Borglum and his son 14 years to complete that artistic creation. Then there's Chief Crazy Horse outside of Custer, South Dakota, started, I don't know, six or more decades ago by Korzak Zelokowski, Borglum's one-time assistant. The first time I went, ah, 25 plus years ago, it took great imagination to see anything. A few years back, they dedicated the completed 87-foot face of a sculpture that will end up being 650 feet long and 550 feet high. And it's just, how do you look at a canvas and see a picture? How do you look at a granite mountain and see a man? Well, it begins with a model, right? It begins with a vision of what is to be created, What is the model of your life? Elizabeth will not soon forget the Mother's Day card she received from her 12-year-old son, Thane. Inside was written the words, Dear Mom, you must feel really good to produce such a good-looking, intelligent son when all you had to work with was Dad. (laughs) What do you have to work with? What did God have to work with when he created you? This theme has come up over and over again in the Psalms. God, Creator God, is your creator. And and when he looks at you, he sees you in his image. Some people look at canvas and they see a picture. Some look, look at a granite mountain, they see the face of a man. God looks at your heart and he sees the reflected image of Jesus. Do you realize God is an artist? On Christmas Day, 1968, Apollo 8 circled the dark side of the moon and headed for home, and suddenly over the horizon of the moon rose the blue and white earth framed by the glistening light of the sun against the black void of space. Three astronauts looked upon this glorious sight, three sophisticated men trained in science and technology, and what were the first words out of their mouths as they gazed upon this awe-inspiring masterpiece? Billions heard the voice from outer space as an astronaut said, In the beginning, God created. God's an artist. And although he often gets credit for the works he shaped out of earth and skies and stars, do you you have any idea what his favorite medium is? I mean, if you're around people, look around. Go ahead, just look around you. All around you is the canvas of God. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, you, God, created every part of me. You you put me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous. You are his favorite medium. When, when you read the book of Origins, Genesis, you, you find that after every master creation, God stepped back and paused long enough to say, that is good. But it was only after one piece that upon stepping back to gaze upon his creation, he said, oh my, that is very good. It was the same piece of which he said, this piece I will create in my own image. And you know what that means? That means that there is some sense in which people are meant to be God's self-portrait. We're, we're meant to reflect the image of God. We're meant to be like Jesus. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives 
of love for God has worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. And Ephesians 4.15 says, God wants us to grow up like Christ in everything. In Ephesians 2.10, it says that you are the workmanship of God. Literally, you are what God does. He's created you in Christ to do the good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. Psalm 139 is a deeply personal psalm that explores the all-encompassing knowledge and presence of a God who knows us intimately and wants to be known by us deeply. I mean, this creator is not just up there and, and out there. He's down here with us, shaping the intricate details of our souls and passionately interested in the intimate details of our lives. What, what does David say in verses 17 through 18? How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. You, you cannot number the number of thoughts that God has thought about you. I, I can't even count them, the psalmist says. They, they outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. His precious thoughts about you cannot be numbered. It's, it's almost like he's always thinking about you. And do you understand what that means? It means that there has never been a time, listen, there has never been a time when you have been invisible to the eyes of God. There's never been a time when he has forgotten you, when his heart has forgotten you. You are seen and you are loved. You're not alone. It, it reminds me of... Uh, a story I once heard. It's kind of an artist story. It happened in Washington, D.C., but it could have happened anywhere. Beautiful music was played, and for the most part, nobody listened. A young man walked into the metro station. He was wearing a long-sleeved t-shirt and a Washington Nationals baseball cap. Maybe that's why no one looked at him. He, he pulled a violin out of his case, and he began to play. He started with Bach's Chacon, and then moved to Schubert's Ave Maria. He played six pieces total, Exactly 43 minutes of some of the greatest classical pieces of all time. In those 43 minutes, exactly 1,097 people passed by the musician with his violin. It took three minutes and 63 people before someone even looked at him. That guy didn't stop to listen, but he did look. 30 seconds later, somebody dropped a buck in the open violin case. It took six minutes before someone actually stopped. They stopped, stood against the wall, and listened for a short period of time. And in 43 minutes, only seven people stopped for at least a minute. 27 people put money in the open violin case. He ended up with $32 and change. So do the math. 1,070 people hurried by without listening, oblivious that three feet away from them, Joshua Bell, one of the world's greatest violinists, was playing some of the most beautiful music on a three and a half million dollar Stradivarius. <laughs> three days earlier, Bell had filled Boston Symphony Hall at about 100 bucks plus per ticket. Two weeks later, he was playing to a standing room only audience in North Bethesda, but on a cold January morning at the metro station, he was making $32 in change and nobody was even paying attention. So the obvious question this leads to is if a master violinist like Joshua Bell plays some of the greatest classical music on a $3.5 million Stradivarius, but nobody listens, is it still art? But here's another question. Who was the one person, the one person on earth who listened to all 43 minutes of the music that Joshua Bell played? Well, of course, it was Joshua Bell. 
And if you watched him play, he was so caught up in the music. The only time he was uncomfortable was when he stopped playing and no one else was listening. But see, that's the point. The creator of the music always listens to the music. The painter of the masterpiece sees deeply into the brushstrokes of her art. The sculptor with chisel in hand never loses sight of what is to be found inside the rock. And the creator's passion is his creation. You have captured his heart. You know, we, we want to know, all of us want to know that there's someone who will love me. We want to know that we are not outside the boundaries of somebody's total love. We want to know that there's someone out there who will love us as we are and in hopes of who we will be. Someone with whom I can be real and not face rejection. And God says, I am that one. I will love you without limits. You, you know what that means? It means you can relax, be still, just let God love you. Don't put up any blocks. Keep your heart soft toward him and others. Let grace heal wounds and even overflow in the broken places around you. You are so loved by God. Do you realize that? I, I think that's part of the heart of this psalm. You are so known and so loved. The one who knows you best loves you the most. For God so loved the world, the Gospel of John tells us. For God so loved you. And that word world in John's Gospel was more than just a number. This verse goes deeper than simply saying God loves everyone. In John's gospel, the word used for world means the world that is opposed to God. People who, who've closed their ears and rebelled. People who mess up and trash God's heart. This is who God loves. Like a mother, he doesn't love the mess, but he loves the people who make the mess. And he loves deeper than the mess because he sees your substance. In Psalm 139, David is praying and, and he says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw my substance before I was born. What is your substance? It's not your failures or your success. Sin is not your substance. Lost opportunities do not define your substance. It's not defined by what others say, what they think about you. God sees your essence and you've captured his heart. You have. Even as you close your ears and make a mess of your life, God so loves you. God loves you without limits. You're not outside the boundaries of his love. He loves you as you are and in the hopes of who you will be. No one knows you better and no one loves you deeper. And that's why he gave you his son. Because you've captured his heart. He knows you fully, loves you completely. And the question is, how will I respond to this God. Let me read it again. Psalm 139 from the New Living Translation. O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it, Lord. You, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is, it's too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. 
Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. O God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your your enemies misuse your name. O Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I, I hate them, for your enemies are my enemies. So search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let me pray for you. Father, God, I just pray for each and every person listening. God, for each person who who needs to know right now in this moment that you love them, that that you know them, that you know them intimately. You know the the intricate details of their souls and the intimate details of their lives. You, you know you've been there. You're with them. There has never been a moment when they have been unseen or forgotten by you. God, in, in some ways, I think David, David found that reality to be a little bit unnerving. I think in some ways when he said, there, there's nowhere I can go to flee from your presence, he, he actually at moments thought, I, I would like to not be in your presence, this all-encompassing presence of God. And yet God, more than anything, what, what, what David understood, what we need to understand is that your presence was your love, that you being with us and knowing us, it didn't cause you to pull away in disgust or disappointment, but instead created in your image. You, you love us to the very depths of who we are. God, would you make that known? Would you whisper by this whisper of your spirit to the souls of the people listening? God, would you whisper to our spirits that we are your sons and daughters and we are deeply, deeply loved? We ask these things in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.